The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Well, what is up, Lifehouse? Can I just start by saying, I think I got the pick of the litter on this one. I mean, where's all my Star Wars nerds at, huh? Anybody? Anybody? Come on. Episode nine is getting ready to come out soon. I just want to say we're in good hands, too. Can I say this? It's back in JJ's hands. Um, Yeah, right? Somebody agrees with me. Amen. Thank you, because if you didn't know what I'm talking about, J.J. Abrams is the director of The Force Awakens, and now The Rise of Skywalker, and this guy named Ryan Johnson just messed everything up in the middle, and so I'm not salty about it at all. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm excited. No, I'm excited to have this, have this uh, Star Wars saga that we get to talk about. But I want to start off by doing this. I want to show you a picture really quick. I want to show you a picture if I can. I think it's going to come up. I am their father. Okay, I just had to be, I had to, be, <laughs> I had to do that. All right, this is Maddox. He's six. This is Aiden. He's three. They got all dressed up for tonight. And so he's probably causing a lot of trouble in children's ministry right now. <laughs> but I just want to say I am their father. No, I'm, I'm super excited to talk about this. Let me set this up because we have a lot to get through tonight. Because basically they came to me and they're like, all right, Corey, you've got Star Wars. What do you want to preach about? And I was like, hmm, let's see. All right, Luke, Darth Vader, you know, you've got, you've got Rey and Kylo Ren. You've got, you've got the light side and the dark side, and you've got this thing called the Force. And I was like, I want to talk about spiritual warfare. <laughs> and you might think, what? Really? Yep. Buckle up. That's what I want to talk about. All right. And so we're going to dive super deep. But I think before we need to dive, what I want to do is we just watched the trailer for episode nine. And literally you hear this voiceover from Luke. And I want to use the voiceover from Luke kind of as our main points. And so if I could put it up on the screen really quick, and I just want you to see it one more time. This is what Luke says in the trailer. We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now, but this is your fight. We'll always be with you. And no one's ever really gone. And then you hear the really ominous Emperor Palpatine laugh, right? I'm not going to do it because I'm just going to sound weird when I do it. But maybe you can do it, right? And you just, you got chills. You got chills. All right, so this is closing a chapter. But before we close a chapter, I want to go all the way back to the beginning, all right? And when I say all the way back to the beginning, I mean episode four. Am I right? Amen, right? When I say all the way back to the beginning, episode four. And in episode four, we are introduced to the greatest Star Wars character of all time. I might lose some friends on this one, all right? So I'm just preparing myself. It's not Luke. It's not Darth. It's not even Han Solo. Okay, buckle up. Greatest character of all time, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, yes, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Thank you. I made some friends. I lost some, but I'm okay with that. And so why Obi-Wan Kenobi? Why? Here's the thing. Strike me down, and I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Is this the moment where you recognize that Obi-Wan Kenobi represents Jesus Christ? Yup, 
But guess what else happens? Obi-Wan just doesn't stay there. What happens? He comes back as a force ghost. Track with me here. You remember it, right? In that scene where Luke's flying the X-Wing and he's got to make that famous shot and he's trying to get them, the, the like, computers going. He's like, no, use the force, Luke. Let go, Luke. Is this the moment where you also recognize that Obi-Wan Kenobi doesn't just represent Jesus Christ, he represents the Holy Spirit? I rest my case, greatest Star Wars character of all time. Hopefully I just convinced you. Obi-Wan Kenobi is the greatest. All right, look, if we believe this, talking about spiritual warfare, if we believe that there is a God, if we believe that, that God created everything, if we believe that there is a God who loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for us but rose again, if we believe all these things and we believe in the, in, in the Bible and the word of God to be true, then we also must believe that there is an enemy and he desperately wants to destroy you. We also must believe that there's an enemy who's prowling around, trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. We have to believe this, that there's a spiritual battle taking place. There is a realm of existence, not unlike the force, where there's a spiritual battle happening for your soul. There's a spiritual battle happening for your affection and your attention. So I want to take a moment to break down a passage of Scripture. It's probably one of my favorite passages of Scriptures, and it's found in John 4, verse 23 and 24. It says this, But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers, and this isn't just talking about singing songs, okay? This is about worship, living your life to glorify God. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. If you were looking for evidence of a realm that exists, there it is. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I want to go back to our voiceover. Luke's voiceover. He says this. Luke says, we've passed on all that we know, but this is what God has done for us. And it's this that he's passed on everything to you. God has passed on everything to you. So what does this mean? Well, it's the gospel. It's the good news that God saw that we had a problem called sin, and he said, I'm not just going to leave you there to deal with it on your own. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, who is perfect in every way, and he's going to live a perfect life, and he's going to show you ultimately how we should be living. But more than that, he's going to place the sins of all of us upon himself, and he's going to go to the cross, and there he's going to die for my sins and your sins, but he's not going to stay dead. He's going to come back to life, proving his power over death. And the same power that raised him from the grave through faith now lives in you called the Holy Spirit. For God is spirit, and he gives us access through the cross, and the empty tomb gives us access to the Holy Spirit. He has passed on everything to you. 
I want you to picture this. I'll say it one more time. Strike me down and I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I want you to picture right now the enemy on the day of Jesus' crucifixion. Just think of what's actually taking place here. Right, you've got Jesus and he's going to the cross. And not unlike Emperor Palpatine, the devil is just starting to smirk. You know how Emperor, just literally, you can make Emperor Palpatine the devil. It's probably, they probably look the same, all right? <laughs> but just picture, Jesus is going to the cross and the devil is starting to smile. He's being beaten and bruised and shamed and he's starting to laugh, that ominous laugh. And the devil is getting excited and then Jesus hangs on a cross. And he's broken and he's pierced and his blood pours out and he dies. And in that moment, hell is celebrating but little did they know, <laughs> I love Jesus, he's so cool. <laughs> little did they know that Jesus' death would be the invitation for him to show up on their doorstep. <laughs> and then Jesus says, guess what? I'm here. And he walks into hell and he says, devil, I'll take the keys, please. Give me the keys. Thank you very much. <laughs> Have fun. Literally, this is your God. This is your Savior. He walks into hell and he takes the keys of death and he gives them to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man. Jesus modeled this fight for us. So in the same way, we're going to go back in Jesus's life. And Jesus models beautifully what spiritual warfare looks like and how we're to fight. And so when we go back into Jesus' life, I want to take us to a passage of scripture in Matthew 4. And in this moment that Jesus has just been baptized, and right after being baptized, this is what it says. Matthew 4, 1 says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Let me stop for a second and unpack this a little bit. If we don't have this, we'll never enter the wilderness. If we don't have faith in this living and breathing within us, we'll be too afraid of the wilderness. We'll never do anything. Then we'll just sit back. If we don't have this, then the temptation in the wilderness will overcome us. It will eat us alive. You're no match for the wilderness and the temptation without the Spirit. And Jesus is modeling this to us. But if we're led by the Spirit, if you and I are led by the Spirit, then we don't have to be afraid of the wilderness and we don't have to be afraid of the temptation. We go on to read this. This is what it says in the next verses. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. I want to stop there for a second. Literally, Jesus is weakening himself. God, may I weaken myself in this season right now because I need to learn to only trust and rely on you. And so he fasted and he became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And then what does Jesus do? But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This part is not easy. If I'm just honest with you, this part in our journey is not easy. Because in this moment, we recognize that we're going to be tempted by bread. 
Let me explain this a little bit. Recently, back in May 16th, I ended a 40-day fast. I didn't do it alone. I did it with, with my, my wife, and I did it with the, the youth leadership team, right? Yeah, there's one. And I didn't do it alone. And that, that's for an encouragement for later. But I ended a 40-day fast. And I just, I just had this realization of just, man, if Jesus fasted for 40 days, I, I want to do that because I'm not, I'm not Jesus, all right? It's nothing against 21 days of prayer and fasting. But up until that point, 21 days is all that I'd ever done. And so I fasted for 40 days, and I can tell you I became very hungry, and I became very weak. And in that moment, I realized what this passage of Scripture is really saying. That the hard part is learning to live not, not by just bread alone. And in that moment, the enemy is going to tempt you with bread, and bread can look very different. First one, bread can look like blatant sin in your life. If there is blatant sin in your life, you need to allow God to uproot it. And how do you uproot it? You starve it. By the power of the Holy Spirit within me, I'm going to starve this thing to death. And God will uproot it. Bread can also look, this is what I found out in 40 days though. Bread can also look like things that just love to waste your time. The enemy is going to come to you with things that aren't even necessarily bad. They just waste your time. Whatever it is, you name it. The truth is, I could name a whole list of mine. But I'm just being honest and open with you guys that I had a lot of things that I was just wasting my time on. They weren't taking me anywhere. And I believe this. If the enemy can just keep you in a place where you're just wasting your time, that's exactly where he wants you. And so, God, would you uproot these things in my life? And that's what I'm saying. Maybe, Maybe you need to go into this season and just being like, maybe I need to fast and I need to pray. Maybe I need to allow God in that moment to speak to me. What are the things that are maybe blatant sin? What are the things that are wasting my time? Because that's where the enemy is really good. He'll tempt you with bread. But Jesus is like, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, I ain't being fooled by that. I'm not being distracted in this moment. I've got a mission and I need to move forward. So why do we need to learn this hard lesson? Why? We're going to go back. This is what Luke says. Luke says, a thousand generations live in you now, but this is your fight. This is what God says. Generations have gone before you, but this is your fight. Generations have gone before you, but this is our fight. This is our fight. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, I'm going to stop there for a second. You are surrounded by people who love you and care for you and are praying for you and desperately want to support you. And I think so often as a church, we just need to learn to lean into people, get around people, live life with people. But this verse is also saying this, you're surrounded by people that have gone before you. Scripture is full of people to the life of faith who modeled it and walked it. And you're surrounded by generations before you that have gone. I can tell you right now, I am thankful for the earthly father that I had that modeled what it is to walk out in faith. You have a cloud of witnesses around you, cheering you on. Why? So let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. We just talked about that. There's blatant sin in your life. Allow God to uproot it. Starve it to death, but also strip off all the weight. There's things just wasting your time. There's things that are just keeping you distracted from the voice of God. He's trying to get your attention. Strip it off. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Us. 
This is our fight. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, and I love this part. The champion who initiates, I'm going to stop there, who initiates, on the day of your salvation, he started a work within you. On the day that you came to Christ and you said yes to Jesus, he started a work. Literally, you gained access to the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't say he initiated and then all of a sudden finished. No, the work is still happening. He initiates and perfects our faith. So how does God perfect your faith? If we say, yes, God, I believe, but now perfect it. Can I say this? You perfect your faith by signing up for the battle. The only way we're going to perfect our faith is to get into the fight. I say, I'm going to say something that maybe hurts a little bit, but I hope you know it hurts because it convicts me. And it's part of the reason why I went into 40 days in prayer and fasting. I fear, I fear that so many of us have come to this place where it's like, okay, there's, yeah, there's a spiritual battle. I believe God is spirit and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, my life doesn't really feel like a fight all the time. And the truth is, my life feels pretty good. Like overall, actually, yeah, I'm good. Actually, I can say that I'm good. And, and so I, I, I I must be just kind of walking with God. That's why I'm good. Or, or can I offer a different perspective? Or you're no threat to the enemy. I had this feeling about myself. God, I don't just want to be a believer in your kingdom. I want to be a warrior for your kingdom. Here's the truth. <laughs> I want, if the enemy is talking about me, if they're having a little get together and talking about me, I hope the conversation goes like this. I hate that guy named Corey. I hate him. I, just what, what God is doing through him and what he believes and he's accessing the power of the Holy Spirit within him. I, I wish that we could just distract him somehow. I hope that that's the conversation the enemy has about me. But my faith needs perfected. I need to sign up for the fight. I don't want to just be in the kingdom. I want to fight for the kingdom. I want to take territory for the kingdom. Because the enemy is on the prowl and he's taking territory left and right. And maybe you can feel it in your own life. Take it back. We need to be people in the church that are saying, I want to fight for the kingdom of God. But to do this, we need to know how the enemy fights. And Jesus models this for us. He literally gives us the picture. We continue the story in Matthew 4, verses 5 through 7. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. Watch this. Don't miss this. For the scriptures say, the devil just said that. The devil just said, for the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot in a, on the stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Man, this, this paints a picture that the enemy is cunning, he is smart. That even in this moment, we realize that the enemy knows scripture. You know what the enemy is really good at? He's really good at taking truth and twisting it. The enemy is going to take truth in your life and he's just going to begin to twist it to the point where you believe it, 
to the point where you think that it's good for you, but the enemy has just twisted it. Could you imagine in this moment in scripture too, if that actually would happen, if Jesus would have jumped off and angels would have descended from heaven and caught Jesus, the truth is everyone who saw it would have been like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And all of a sudden in that moment, Jesus would have been like, yep, I'm here. This is the power that I have. It's, but it's a twisted truth. That's not how God intended Jesus to get to the finish line. And so the enemy is going to twist the truth. And he's really good at it. He's really good at making bread seem like something you need. It's something you want. It's something you crave. He's going to twist it. So how do we combat twisted truth? It's pretty simple. With truth. Jesus modeled it. Yeah, yeah, okay, I hear what you're saying, but the scriptures also say this. We need to be people who know the word, plain and simple. He tempts us in another way too. The devil tempts him like this next. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jesus is cool. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The enemy is full of empty promises. They're empty. Because again, God did not intend it to happen this way. But yet the enemy will tell him, no, you can have it right now. You don't have to wait you don't have to allow your faith to be perfected. You can have it right now. And the truth is the enemy will give you power for a moment. He'll give you power for a little bit. He'll make you feel good for a little bit. But I'm telling you, it is for your destruction. And it'll lead you down roads that you're not supposed to go down. Empty promises. Only God's promises are true. And only God's promises will come to light. Lastly, Luke says it this way, we'll always be with you. No one's ever really gone, but Jesus does more than just say. He does this. He'll always be with you and he'll never forsake you. Never. Only God's promises are true. And this is a promise. What happens next? I love this. Very simple. Matthew 4, 11 says this. Then the devil went away. <laughs> and angels came and took care of Jesus. Why did the devil go away? Because Jesus told him to. There's a power of the Holy Spirit that when you begin to access it through truth and in the Spirit, that the truth is you're able to have this God confidence that you recognize what the enemy is doing in your life and you're like, mm -mm, not today. Nah, <laughs> you're not going to steal my distraction today. You're not going to take me down that road today. No, it's not going to happen. Get out of here go. And Jesus is literally like, nah, get out of here, Satan. And the devil went away. <laughs> and then what happens next? I love this. This is the story of Jesus. What happens next? It's literally this. This is literally the next chapter. The ministry of Jesus begins. He goes from being baptized to being tempted. And then the ministry of Jesus begins. <laughs> I'm going to go back to our main passage of scripture, John. 424. One more time. For God is spirit. He's spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit 
and in truth. Let me say this. Your ministry, my ministry, the things that God is calling us to do here on earth is found through truth. It's found in signing up for the battle and God, would you illuminate the truth of what's actually taking place here? That the only voice that I should be listening to is the voice of God because it is the voice of truth. And the only way to hear the voice of God is to be a person who is in his word and a person who is in prayer consistently, a person who isn't distracted by the things of this world, a person who is walking to not just initiate his faith, not to just be a believer in the kingdom, but a person who wants to be a warrior for the kingdom. And that through truth is how we access the power of the spirit where we must worship God. In closing, I want to do something. At this time, I'm going to have the hospitality team. They're going to begin to pass out communion. And I want to share just a little bit of, of the communion story. Just unpack it a little bit more because I think something spiritually significant is happening when we have the chance to take communion. So as they're passing it out at, at all of our campuses or, or maybe you're watching online, I encourage you, go get some bread, go get some juice, whatever you have. We're going to take communion in a moment. But I want to give you two pictures for a second. One of them is the Passover, and I'm going to explain that in a moment. But the Passover points to the cross. And the cross points back to the Passover. And so I think we know a lot about the cross, but sometimes we miss the significance of the Passover. And let me unpack it a little bit. In ancient Egypt, God's chosen people were, were held in captivity and slavery. And you probably know the story, well, well, God chooses Moses to set them free. But in the process, Pharaoh is just really stubborn. And there's plagues. But the last plague is very significant because God says, I'm going to send my death angel across Egypt. And he's literally going to steal the firstborn of every family. But if you do this, God, God gives a word and he says, my chosen people, if you would just do this, I will protect you. And this is what he calls them to do. And this is where you're going to see the Passover points to the cross and the cross points to the Passover. He says, you're going to take a lamb and you're going to kill it. Can you see it already? Jesus is set up as the spotless lamb, sinless, the perfect lamb. You're going to take a lamb and you're going to kill it. And that's going to be your dinner. But what I want you to do is I want you to take the blood of that lamb. And you're like, this is getting weird, but stick with me. And you're going to take the blood of that lamb and you're going to put it on your doorpost. I'm going to put it on the side and on the top of the doorpost. Not on the bottom because you don't step, you don't trample on the blood. I want you to hear that. You're going to put it on your doorpost because then all of a sudden when I send the death angel upon Egypt, he's not going to pass through your house. He's going to pass over your house. Do you see the significance that is happening here? That literally an angel, an angel can't even cross the bloodline of Jesus. He has to pass over. Do you really think that the enemy can pass through? Do you really think that the enemy has any power to get into that home? Do you see what's taking place here? Fast forward, the Passover points to the cross. Jesus, the spotless lamb, whose body was broken and bruised and his blood was poured out for you. It's his blood 
I want you to hear me. The scripture says it over and over again. That's why we got to stop making it weird. Maybe you're squeamish of blood. I get that. Okay, whatever. But it's the blood that sets you free. It's the blood that covers you. It's the blood. It's found in the blood of Jesus. Can I say there's something supernatural happening in the blood of Jesus as an atonement for our sins, but as a protection? And so I just wanted you encouraged with this. We're going to take communion in a moment. I'm going to pray. But also, I would encourage you, start taking communion in your home. What I love about the Passover is something they celebrated once a year, but then Jesus comes and he's like, look, when you eat and when you drink, do this in remembrance of me. You know what you have to do every single day of your life? You have to eat and you have to drink. Do <laughs> Jesus is like, I'm going to take the most simple thing to remind you about what I did for you. So take, take communion in your home. It's one of the most beautiful things my, my wife and I have ever started doing. We took communion in our home, and we, we, we anointed our kids, and we anointed our home, and that's probably a story for a different time. But literally on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and he took the bread, and he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. And the cup represents my blood that is poured out for you. And every time that you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. So can I encourage you? Look, you don't have to take communion in this moment. This is something that we take very seriously. So you don't have to. But I encourage you in this moment, I'm just going to say a simple prayer. And while I'm praying, could you allow God's spirit in to just say, God, cleanse me, renew me, make me new. God, I want to be in right standing with you before we take communion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you. <laughs> I thank you for the cross. God, I thank you, literally, the work that you initiated on the cross, but then you sent the Holy Spirit to perfect it. <laughs> God, so we remember right now the significance of your body that was broken, that willingly and joyfully, because of the joy set before you, you went and endured the pain of the cross. So thank you for your body that was broken. And God, thank you for your blood that was poured out, your blood that sets us free, your blood that covers us, your blood that protects us. It's in your name and everyone said, amen. Would you take communion together? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.